0: All right, what up, what up, everybody? I hope you all had an absolutely marvelous, fantastic football-filled weekend. There was basketball and hockey as well, but obviously it's football season. Today is Tuesday, November 15th. This is episode two of One of the Boys. Lots on the agenda today. So I realized when I played back last week's episode that I kept saying we. There is no we. It is I. I. It is me and my dog, and she doesn't say anything, so she don't count. I will be covering the underdog hungry dog of the week. There was some really good games, but ultimately one that I felt like really was the best underdog of the week. I will talk through football recap, mostly college football. There were some good games and then some interesting circumstances going into the conference championship games and college football playoff. I'll talk through Sad sad Girl Hours, new culprit this week. Fortunately, it's not any of my team's, so it was a little bit more enjoyable for me. And the internet is a great place, lots of good stuff out there. And then last but not least, I will close out the day with fantasy studs. Seem to be picking the low-hanging fruit, so I'm trying to go a little bit outside the box. We'll see see what y'all think. The feedback I was given after airing episode one was that I talk too fast and that my intro song sucks. So I'm trying to talk a little bit slower, but I do know time is money. So I don't want to talk too slow or I'm taking up too much of your time. And the intro song, y'all are just going to have to deal with that because to get a song that isn't created by me, I have to pay an outrageous royalty. And I don't want to do that. So I just created a song on GarageBand. That is mine that I created. So sorry, too bad. I am not a, not a DJ. I'm a podcaster. On this day in sports history, Tuesday, November 15th, In 1980, the 30th NASCAR Sprint Cup took place, and Dale Earnhardt was victorious. May he rest in peace. In 2004, Maria Sharapova becomes the first Russian woman to win tennis season-ending WTA Tour Championship. In the process, she defeated Serena Williams. In 2015, Holly Holm defeats UFC champion Ronda Rousey. I will never forget that. Pretty sure she knocked her out relatively quickly. And then birthdays on this date on November 15th, Uh, Carl Anthony Towns, it's it's his birthday today, we love all sports, so happy birthday, Carl Anthony Towns. This is episode two of One of the Boys, I'm so glad you're here. Wolf, 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 wolf. That's right. I am going to kick us off today with the underdog hungry dog of the week. First half of the week, I shouldn't say first half of the week because Friday isn't the halfway mark of the week. But going into the weekend, there was quite a few underdogs. And then I felt like it kind of took a turn for the worse for the underdog over the weekend. Uh, either way, super exciting stuff. Really, right off the bat on Monday, there were nine upset wins in the NBA. All but three games, or excuse me, all but six games were upsets. There was 15 games total of those uh, 15 games. Nine were upsets, which was pretty cool. There was four upsets on Wednesday. The dog won once on Thursday. And then kind of struggled a little bit going into the weekend. Total in the NBA, uh, there was 21 dog wins, and the Wizards actually won three of those. They were the the top dog in the NBA this week, winning three. I think they were underdogs in all three of the games that they played this week, and they won all three of those games. So woof, woof, way to go, Wizards. Looking at the NHL, it was similar, sort of. It looked like after Tuesday, there was going to be quite a few dogs, and then heading into Thursday and into the weekend, not not quite as many. The NHL week ended with 23 total upsets, and then the Canadians were the dogs three times. They, they won all three. So way to go, Wizards. Way to go, Canadians. Some good stuff as we get later into basketball and hockey season. We'll talk a little bit more in details about some of those as they kind of have some more meaning and get a little bit more exciting. But obviously, it's football season, so we're going to talk a lot of football. Lots of top 25 upsets. Purdue, who was victorious over Illinois, Vanderbilt and Kentucky, that was that was a fun one. Boston College beat NC State. I don't know if anybody saw that coming. UCF was victorious over Tulane. Washington and Oregon, that was another fun one. Washington comes out victorious. Kansas State and Baylor, I thought this one was really unique. Kansas State just a couple weeks ago beat Oklahoma State forty-nine and nothing. Was ranked 18th in the nation. Baylor unranked. It was at Baylor. They were two two and a half point favorites. Kansas State came out and, and took care of business. That was that was kind of a, a whoop-ass, if, if we'll say. Way to go, Kansas State. Huge dog. Love it. And then probably the most unexpected dog was Arizona over UCLA. So Pac-12 after dark, uh, you know, late-night games over on the West Coast. Two really explosive offensive teams. UCLA was 19 half-point favorites, and Arizona comes out on top. In the top 25 uh, college football rankings, there were seven underdogs that were victorious. Woof, woof. Kansas State had the biggest margin of victory out of all the dogs that won. So, like I said, they kind of opened up a can of whoop-ass on Baylor after being a two-and-a-half-point dogs, which was really cool. Vanderbilt over Kentucky, this was so – this was awesome. This was – I always question like the credibility of Vanderbilt being in the SEC. I feel like they kind of bring down the load in the SEC, we'll say. And that was their first SEC victory in 26 games and the first time they had won an SEC matchup since 2019. Really cool stuff. Really cool stuff. I love seeing wins like this. Kentucky, I think kind of knocked their socks off a little bit. And then the most surprising, I mean statistically the most surprising was probably Arizona over UCLA. UCLA was, I think by the time the the game started, the spread had gone to 20 points. So it was 19 and a half when I first took these notes. And then at game time, the spread was 20 points uh, in favor of UCLA and Arizona. Arizona obviously put a a plug in that. So exciting stuff. We'll talk a little bit more about college. We, we will not. I will talk a little bit more about college football a little bit later in the show. But just want to talk through those dogs. College football is always so fun when you see these upsets and yeah. Fun stuff. Probably don't have playoff implications or major implications. But like I said, I'll talk a little bit later about that. Then we look, then I, uh, looking at the NFL right off the bat, Thursday night, Atlanta was the favorite and Carolina came out on top. Wait. Yeah. Atlanta was the favorite. Carolina came out on top. You love to see it. You love to see it. Woof, woof. Buffalo was the favorite versus Minnesota. If you know football, if you watched any football yesterday, you saw what happened there. Detroit was victorious over Chicago, which is kind of funny. Fuck Justin Fields. I actually have a bet with one of my friends that Justin – I said Justin Fields would not be a top-five fantasy quarterback, and up until about two weeks ago, it looked like he wasn't going to be. But now it looks like he might be. Thankfully, like, the stakes aren't that high. It's just a $50 bet, but – I thought for sure, this was a for sure lock and it's not really looking like it. So whatever, shout out to Justin Fields, I guess. Pittsburgh was victorious over the Saints. Indianapolis, Jeff Saturday, switches it up, throws in Matt Ryan instead. Sounds like somebody actually listened to me. Actually, he probably didn't even hear me, but I said that this is what Jeff Saturday should do is is put in Matt Ryan. I don't know if I said it on this podcast, but I said it, like I communicated that to people that I talk football with. I said if the Colts want a chance, they put in Matt Ryan. And look what happened. Puts in Matt Ryan and wins. Granted, it was over the Raiders, who are truly the dumpster fire of the NFL right now. But they listened, come out victorious. Cool story. I don't know if they'll really be successful the rest of the season, but, like, guy comes in as a never-coached pro football or NFL game in his life as a head coach. He's been an ESPN analyst, and all of a sudden he's the interim head coach of the Colts. Whole controversy over the hiring process. I haven't read into it. I just know all the bitches on ESPN are chatting about it. Whatever. I think it's cool that he comes in and he does what he did. Victory Monday, baby. Victory Monday for the Colts. Uh, Let's see. Who else were the dogs in the NFL? The Packers. I talked so much shit on the Packers last week. I thought Aaron Rodgers was done. Christian Watson steps up, and that's really dangerous for anybody else that plays Green Bay because once Aaron finds his receiver, which after yesterday looks like Christian Watson is the guy for him, Aaron Rodgers might become might become a bad man. Christian Watson was a bad man yesterday. Might be two bad men on that on that Green Bay offense. So we'll see how that plays out. Either way, I'm sure Green Bay is probably feeling pretty good. Uh, I called him moldy Cheese last week. Their defense was still a little moldy, but offense looks like they finally put something together. And fuck the Cowboys, so sorry. Best defense in the league versus probably the worst offense statistically in the league at this point. Maybe not the worst, but they're not good. And you lost. You were up by two touchdowns, defensive meltdown. I won't sit on here and rant on about how funny it is that the Cowboys lost because that'll probably bite me in the ass at some point. But, like, that was funny. How about them Cowboys, baby? How about them Cowboys? Rams were two-point favorites over the Cardinals. Cardinals came out victorious. And then, of course, we don't know what's going to happen on Monday Night Football just yet. Lots of dogs. Lots of dogs. I love... The underdog, I love the underdog story. I love when the underdog comes out on top, especially in big, meaningful games, big, intense games, fun stuff. The underdog, hungry dog of this week is... Arizona! Victorious over UCLA, late night pack 12 So a lot of people, at least on the East Coast, didn't really watch this. I actually didn't watch it myself. I was out and about until pretty late, actually, but just wasn't anywhere that had the game on. If you looked at, you know, Vegas had UCLA's 20-point favorites heading into this game. I think they were just a little bit off by uh, judging this based off of Arizona's record because if you actually look, Arizona has a relatively explosive offense. They have scored a lot of points this year, and so has UCLA. So you figured going into this, this was going to be a shootout, which it sort of was, 31-28. I'm not really sure. I think that was the final score. Now let me double check because now I'm second-guessing myself. It was 33-28. Hold on. See, this is new new podcasting probs. It's just not writing. I literally wrote down everything else I want to talk about except the score. Yeah, all right, here we go. 34-28. I knew it was my two field goals. 34-28, so will we call that a shootout? What do we call a shootout in college football these days? I don't know. Tennessee put up a 66 spot. That's a lot of points but high scoring game wasn't boring to say the least two high power offenses two offenses that put up a ton of ton of points arizona tried to do some trick play that lost them like 10 yards um, there were some really goofy things like the the quarterback of Arizona, he just kind of looks like he's doing too much. I know he's a young college quarterback, but there's some, there were some plays when I was watching the highlights where I was like, dude, like just go down or throw the ball away. Stop running 10 yards back and giving everybody on your team and on your fan base, serious anxiety like that. I mean, that's, I guess is okay at this level of football, but won't won't cut it next level. I don't, I don't really know anything about this guy. So I don't even know if he's like a next level prospect, but it just seemed to me from those highlights, like he's really trying to just do too much. Reminds me of Carson Wentz, like the 2018, 2019 Carson Wentz, who just always tried to extend plays and then would end up losing yards or fumbling it or something stupid as quarterbacks and game managers, you know, it's okay to take the sack and throw a ball, ball away. I think this Delora guy just needs to learn that. And he still might. I don't even know what year he is. Oh, I guess I can pull it up real quick. Let's see. He's a sophomore, so he's still young. So there's still time for him to learn and develop that. But that was just something that I pulled from the highlights. The UCLA running back, Zach Chabern- Chabernay. Excuse me, I probably messed that up. He's a beast. He's definitely a, He's going to be a Sunday name. He is definitely going to be a Sunday name. He touched the ball 24 times, 24 carries, 181 yards, and three touchdowns. He – I mean, when I was watching the highlights earlier today, it was just a Zach Chaubernet highlight reel. Every, it looked like every big play that they were showing from UCLA had the ball in his hands. It's really a shame, uh, you know, They the end of the game – Obviously, when you're trailing with such little time left, you have to throw the ball. So it was really hard for them to get the ball into the hands of their best playmaker because he was the best playmaker. But if you know football, you know you can't run the ball, whatever. I'm not going to get into that because I'm sure you know what, what I mean here. But he was definitely their best playmaker. He was a lot of fun to watch. Really, what it comes down to to me is just this was a game that was won by key moments. And what I mean is... Clearly, both of these offenses were high-flying. Neither of these defenses have really proven to be powerhouses this year, so you thought maybe going into it it was going to be a shootout, which it absolutely was. So this, to me, was a game that was just won by the by the little moments. I guess they weren't really m- little moments, but the, the moments of this game, the key moments of this game – and ultimately what it comes down to is turnovers and then also that the blocked field goal the special teams play those looking back at the score and the way the whole thing ended those were some of the most important moments of the game you knew these offenses were were going to come out fly, flying high and so it was going to come down to all right well who's going to make a play first on defense and Arizona Turned out to be that team, not just on defense, but on special teams as well. 28 points was the least amount of points scored by UCLA this season. Arizona's defense, like I said, it hasn't been great this season. They haven't been great. I know they gave up or they allowed UCLA to score the the least amount of points that they have this weekend, but they've been giving up a lot of points to a lot of different teams, like a lot of points. So, really, this game was defined by just a few really key moments. And, ultimately, I think that's why Arizona won, because Arizona had more of those key moments than UCLA did. I think going into the game, the final spread was 20 points in favor of UCLA. I'm not sure what the – I don't know what they're called. The the guys who set these spreads in Vegas, I don't know what they were thinking here. Because, like I said, this is really just a battle of two high offenses, two high-power offenses. Either way, Arizona – Comes in this game 3-6, and 20-point dogs, and pulls it off on the road. Absolutely outstanding. You just love to see it. You love to see it. And not going to lie, I I don't really mind seeing Chip Kelly kind of crumble a little bit. So, so congrats to Arizona Underdog Hunger Dog of the Week. Love that. There's been, well, I guess LSU is not really like a unique team we wouldn't talk about, but or I wouldn't talk about, but Arizona. I would have never thought I'd be picking Arizona as Underdog Hunger Dog of the Week. So exciting stuff. Love it. I'm going to talk a little bit more football now. It was an awesome Saturday in college football. It's really an, an awesome Saturday in the NFL too. But I'm going to talk a little bit more about college football right now. The SEC matchup is going to be Georgia versus LSU, just like we all predicted, right? Uh, especially after that Florida State loss. That LSU suffered first week of the season. I think everybody was calling for Brian Kelly to be a failure. It was going to be a failure and that he should be fired. Cool story. Really cool story. LSU's going to the SEC championship game. I'm sure there'll be like 30-point underdogs. So, woof, woof, woof. Let's get hungry, baby. Um, The last two meetings with Georgia and LSU, LSU was victorious. Last one was the 2019 SEC championship game. So, that was LSU's big uh, championship year with Joe Burrow. They also had Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So I'd say that was a pretty good team. I think all four of those people are like making making bank and playing on Sundays now. Obviously, that's not what this LSU team is right now currently. But uh, UGA in 2019 had George Pickens, who was a freshman. James Cook was a sophomore. DeAndre Swift was a junior. Um, so that was the last time those two teams faced off. Obviously, like I just said, two very different teams. Now Georgia's defense is fucking nuts. And LSU isn't quite as high powered off, definitely not as high power offense as that offense was back in 2019. But they're still pretty electric to watch. So We'll see. That's going to be the biggest thing to watch, I think, is how the LSU offense matches up against the Georgia defense. The Georgia defense – or the Georgia offense isn't great, so I think if LSU can find a way to be successful and mix things up and get that Georgia defense on their toes, that they'll have a chance. I, I do think Georgia is going to be heavy favorites here. Um but maybe they'll maybe LSU the Tigers they'll, they'll prove us otherwise. The last game that those two played before the SEC championship game in 2019 was back in 2018 in Baton Rouge and LSU, LSU spanked them 36 to 16. So, like I said, 2022 Georgia is definitely different than 2019 and 2018 Georgia. Just like LSU 2019 or 2022 is very different than 2018 2019 LSU. So it's kind of hard to gauge anything off of that. Either way, uh, I'm glad it's not Alabama, and I think most of the college football world is glad that it's not Alabama. It's nice to see somebody else in there. I do think Georgia's going to be victorious. I think Georgia's going to win it all again, but we will see. There are some dogs out there. The dogs dogs are out there. There weren't any other games that were played that I think will really have an impact on the top four. The Oregon loss will have the biggest impact on the top ten. Really kind of pulls them out of that – I guess I shouldn't say completely out of, but it's really hard to get into the top four with with a loss, especially if you're not in the SEC or really the Big Ten-ish. So Oregon, that sucks. I'm sorry. I don't know. I guess you guys still have a chance if you win your conference maybe. Um, if this was If there was a 12-team playoff, I would obviously have a lot more to talk about because there were some top 12 matchups, top 12 teams, top 12 teams that went down. Um, but unfortunately, it's not. But if I'm still recording this podcast in two years, which hopefully I am and I'm making millions of dollars and you all know my name and I'm a household name, um, that will be a lot of really fun college football content to cover. But it's really hard to to narrow it down to four, the four best teams in college football because I think there's a lot of really good teams. And, well, I'm going on a rant a little bit here in a, in a tangent, sort of, but... I think of teams – I always go back to – so obviously I'm going to go back to to my team. Um, In 2016, Penn State wins the Big Ten Championship. They beat Ohio State earlier that year. They go to the Big Ten Championship, beat Wisconsin, and Ohio State gets into the playoff without playing in the Big Ten Championship game, and Penn State does not. So some people say conference championships don't – I guess they're not as important as they once were. I think they they should be more important now than they ever were because I think it's absolute bullshit that a, that a team who didn't win their conference can get into the playoff over the team that actually did win the conference, if that makes sense. So like Ohio State, it's bullshit that they could get into the playoff without winning the conference when Penn State won the conference and didn't get in. I'm not sure if that's happened again, but I feel like the committee should put a little bit more focus on the conference champions over the non-conference champions. So like if Michigan, so Michigan, Ohio state, this is really what I think of because Michigan and Ohio state, I don't think they're both going to be in the playoff. One of them is going to beat the other last. So one of them is going to look good to the committee, but advantage should be to whoever wins that game and then goes on to the, to the playoff. So like, If you think about it, in theory, if Ohio State wins over Michigan, goes and plays the Big Ten championship game, and say they lose, they could throw Michigan right back into that playoff, which to me is bullshit, because Ohio State wins head-to-head, but just plays one more game than Michigan because they actually made it into the conference championship. To me, none of those teams make it, and you put somebody else in that actually did win their conference. That's just my thought. Either way, I think it's really exciting that the playoff is going to go to 12 teams in two years, and this will it'll make for much more interesting football, much more interesting matchups. There's going to be home college football playoff games. like That's so fucking exciting. I wish it was happening this year because I do think there's a lot of good teams sitting in that top 10 right now that could give anybody a run for their money. There isn't like – I mean, like Georgia, I guess you would say, is that one team that looks like it's really pulling away as the best. I don't think Ohio State's that good. I don't think Michigan – I think Michigan can be beat. TCU is definitely could definitely look vulnerable against some of these teams. Um who's number 5? USC No, Tennessee. Tennessee, like Tennessee could go in and and match up against just about any of these other teams that I just talked about. And then USC, like same thing. How is how are we ever going to know how good USC is if they don't have the opportunity to play against some of these teams? So, it's just really hard. Four teams is just not enough. Looking forward to the 12-team playoff. Um but we're stuck with the four-team this year. It is start. It is time to, to start looking at some of the conference playoff races, though. And obviously, you have to get into the conference championship game to win the conference championship. Um, so some of them are already set. So like I said, SEC is set. Uh, LSU and Georgia will face off in Atlanta. The ACC championship is set. You're looking at UNC versus Clemson. That, I believe, is going to be played in Charlotte. Um, this is cool. I, I think... This is a huge game for Clemson. Clemson actually, if they went out, still has a 56% chance to make the college football playoff. So this would be a really cool opportunity for them to prove themselves. I think if they go into the ACC championship game and blow out UNC, they're in the conversation again. American Conference is really up in the air, like really up in the air. There's a bunch of teams that are really close. There's UCF, Cincinnati, Tulane. They're all, all of their records are at eight and two, and they're all five and one in the conference. So... I don't know how they decide that. I don't know what the tiebreaker would be. I guess if slash when the time comes, we'll, we'll see them. Big 12, TCU is locked in. Um, right now, Kansas State does hold that second spot. Uh, however, OSU, Baylor, and uh, OSU, I guess I should specify. Oklahoma State, Baylor, and Texas are all only one game back. Uh, Kansas State and Oklahoma State both have a 7-3 and three record. However, Kansas State does have that head-to-head win, the head-to-head absolute ass whooping uh 49 to nothing over Oklahoma State so I have a feeling it's going to be Kansas State especially after their big win over Baylor last week but they've got to close out the season if they want to do that so I think Kansas State and TCU would be a freaking awesome Big 12 matchup. I, I can't remember the last time I felt like oh shit like there's like the there's some good teams that are going to be facing off to win the Big 12 usually I always think like ACC Big 10 SEC like those are the ones I want to watch but Big 12 might be good um Big Ten, so this is a really – this is why I'm like kind of over the East-West conferences where they split the conference into the East teams and the West teams. I really just like one versus two because if you look at the Big Ten East, you've got Ohio State, Michigan sitting at the top, both undefeated. Penn State, sorry, sad. They're just under them, whatever. But the matchups – like the matchups in the Big Ten East are way – more challenging and intense than the matchups in the Big Ten West, but whatever. So you have to figure whoever, unless something really weird happens in the next week, whoever wins Ohio State versus Michigan will be who represents the Big Ten East. Um, and then looking on the other side, there's. There's a bunch of teams that are tied. So Purdue, Illinois, Iowa, Iowa, Minnesota, they are all four and three within the conference. So all of them are t- technically, I guess, tied right now. But if you look at their overall record, Illinois and Minnesota um, are both at seven and three. Let's see if they play one another. They have to, right? Uh, Minnesota Gophers schedule. Yeah, okay. So this upcoming Saturday, they play one another. So that will be, oh no, that's Iowa. Well, that's a big one, too, Iowa versus Minnesota. It's, like, such bullshit where it's, like, Iowa – or, like, Minnesota, who Penn State absolutely destroyed, like, still has a chance to play in the big-time championship game where, like, Penn State has no chance at all It's stupid. Anyway, Penn State wouldn't have a chance anyway, even if it wasn't for divisions. Um, okay, so Illinois and Minnesota. Oh, Illinois won the head-to-head over Minnesota. So I guess right now if both teams went out, Illinois would be the team. Um, so Illinois, even though they lost – Last week so it was a chance. Um, if you look at the MAC, so lots of fun action going on during the week. Toledo's locked in. And then, again, there's just a bunch of teams that are really close, really in a tight race, Ohio, Buffalo, Bowling Green. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, Mountain West, nobody is locked in yet. Nobody's locked in the Mountain West. If the season ended today, it would play out to be Boise State versus Fresno State. Um, however, Wyoming, San Diego, San Jose, San Diego state, San Jose state, they are all still really close. So there are, there's definitely like some spots up for grabs there. Same thing with the pac 12. Uh, so like I said today, if the season ended, it would be USC versus Oregon. Oregon did lose last week. Um, so that definitely kind of tightens the race a little bit. Utah, UCLA, Washington, they are all still in the mix. So it would be. Like I said, very interesting to see how that plays out. It's going to be a fun last couple weeks. It's crazy to think that there's only two weeks left. I feel like the college football season is significantly shorter than the NFL season. That makes me sad. I also really don't like how there's two weeks, right? So it's like uh, the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Yeah, the Saturday after Thanksgiving is the last like real college football Saturday. And then there's like a month until the college football playoff is played. I don't like that at all. So I think this 12-team format will help to break up some of that. There's a lot of things that I really, really like about the 12-team format. I'm sure the teams that have made the top four every year won't feel the same, but whatever. Um, So my college football predictions, my college football playoff predictions that will come out tonight, I believe at 7 o'clock is when they announce. I don't think anything's going to change. I think it's going to be Georgia, Ohio State, uh, Michigan, and TCU The only thing maybe, maybe that could happen is maybe, this is like, I don't know, I'm just making this up off of my head based on what I think. There's like a 3% chance that Tennessee could potentially bump TCU um, down to 5 and Tennessee would slip into 4. But I really think that TCU going to Texas on the road, they were dogs. They were 7-point dogs, and they win by 7, so they beat the spread by 14 points in you know, a stadium that's not theirs. I think that was a convincing enough one to keep them in the four spot. I do think if Tennessee and TCU went head to head, though, that Tennessee would just beat their butts. But we may see that later in the season, we may not. Sticking with our theme, my theme of football, gonna move into sad girl hours, and my goodness. Are fans of the Las Vegas Raiders sad? This is actually like a legitimate sad girl hours. I don't know if anyone saw Derek Carr's post game conference where he he like literally cried. So, this is as literal of sad girl hours as you can get. Um, the Raiders are two and seven heading into a season that felt like it had a lot of promise. You have Derek Carr, decent quarterback. He signed Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is very good. Josh Jacobs, he's decent. Having a a breakout year in the Raiders suck. Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller. It looks like the Raiders, on offense at least, have all the pieces to be successful. Notice one thing I didn't mention was the offensive line. That is proving to be the Achilles heel of the Raiders right now. Derek Carr just does not have enough time back there to throw the ball, and I actually feel for him a little bit. I felt really anxious watching his post game, his post game conference where he was literally crying like he's he's feeling it, which is sad. And I don't, I'm not doing Saguaros to make fun of him because I do actually feel real bad for him. I'm I'm here for hours to make fun of their fans a little bit. So Twitter is a really funny place. Um, there was lots of, lots of funny tweets out there. Let me actually pull some of them up on my phone. The first one that I saw, I'm not going to, I'm not going to shout anyone's Twitter out because I don't know these people. I just was creeping their tweets and whatnot, um, to get some funny content. The first one was, uh, the Raiders had tweeted out like the final score, like an image with the final score or whatever. And someone replied to it, like a, lit- a literal fan in the stadium, replied to it and said complete idiocy with a plastic bag over his head like in the stadium which was fucking hilarious Um, there was also some other tweets that had me chuckling there was McDaniels should absolutely be fired this is embarrassing he just lost at home to a team that hired a TV analyst six days ago and it wasn't even his worst moment of the year another tweet said Mark sell the team this is ridiculous and you're an embarrassment you've made our team a laughing stock and then some people – I saw a few of these, actually, that said, refreshing Twitter until I see Josh McDaniels fired. And then this was actually by a player. So Max Crosby, excellent player on their defense, defensive line, he said, y'all don't deserve this. Raider Nation, I love y'all. You better love your fan base because if they're still watching you play after this poop hole you've put them through this year, like, that's that's real. It is actually funny, though, to, to see – different fan bases and how they react like if this was happening in philly i think i think twitter would would break because people would be so mad um and it's definitely a little bit more gentle coming from raider nation so like raider nation you're you're nicer than than philadelphia you have that going for you um another thing that i realized is so vegas raiders formerly the oakland raiders um a lot of the games that the Raiders are playing aren't even being aired in Oakland. So people on Twitter are super pissed about that. That has got to be, like, the weirdest experience ever to to have a team that you love playing in your backyard and then they switch cities. Like, do you stay watching that team? Do you continue to support them now that they're the Vegas Raiders? I don't know. Sad, sad, sad girl hours in Vegas. Um, Not a team with a huge fan base, I don't think. I said this last week that they only moved the franchise to Vegas to bring in outside teams. I still think that's the case. But you Raider Raider Nation loyals, uh, it's sad. It's sad for you right now. I feel for you. I'd say it would get better, but I don't think it's going to. Just keep, keep airing it out on Twitter. All right, let that steam out. Do what you got to do. I'm with you, okay? I'm with you. All right, now I'm going I'm to move right along, talk a little bit of college football. Now I'll get into my fantasy studs, heading into week 11. To recap week 10, where the he- I literally just was paged into my notes. That's exactly right. Here we go. Um, so I kind of sucked, I guess, predicting week 10. I guess not whatever. I didn't suck, but like. Justin Fields, Josh Allen, both were top three quarterbacks. Picked them. Did not pick any of the top three running backs, top three wide receivers, or tight ends. I didn't pick any tight ends. And even I picked Dallas defense because they've been so good, and Dallas defense wasn't even a top three defense. So I guess my studs were off. I know there were some other studs that I picked that had big games. I'm looking at who I picked last year Cordell Patterson, no. Mike Evans, maybe. Josh Allen, Justin Fields. Jerry Judy, I believe, got hurt. Travis Etienne, don't remember. None well, of these names stick out. Michael Pittman Jr. was okay. Jonathan Taylor was definitely way better. He was he was the stud of that game. Um, so, you know, okay. I did okay. We still Monday Night Football. Jalen Hurts. Maybe I'll redeem myself there. Uh, but looking ahead to, to week 11. Oh, and by the way, when I say the top three quarterbacks, running backs, whatever, that's based off of the league that I play in. Ocean City League. Shout out Ocean City League. High-scoring league. Quarterback scores a fuck ton of points, and it's fun, so... All right, heading into week eleven, Thursday night football, Titans at Packers. Packers, according to Vegas, are like somewhat back. Uh, they are favorites. They are favorites against the Titans. Titans have been playing teams pretty tough, um, and Packers are three points favorites. So are the are the Packers back? Vegas think so. I don't know. I, don't, I think if they win this game, maybe. Um, but Derrick Henry there, I think. Packers defense isn't that great. Tony Pollard had a great game against them. And Derrick Henry is a just flat out better running back than Tony Pollard. So Derrick Henry's the guy. He's the a, a stud there. And we got Eagles at Colts. I chose A.J. Brown in this game. Eagles are eight-point favorites. I like A.J. Brown as the fantasy stud here uh, simply because he has played the Colts as a Tennessee Titan for a few years now, and he has owned the Colts every single time. So I don't know why. Just because he switched uniforms, he wouldn't own the Colts again. Let's go A.J. Brown. Bears at Falcons. um, Because of my bet, it kills me to say this, but again, I'm going with Justin Fields. Falcons defense, not good. Carolina, fucking Carolina, puts up 25 points against them. So Falcons defense, not good. Justin Fields, I guess, like, sort of good, but, like, fuck you. Um, So he's the guy there. Fantasy set in that game. Browns at Bills. I feel like this could be another trap game for the Bills. I also feel like Bills are pissed because they lost two in a row. Josh Allen, like I, I felt a little bit sad for him in that post-game conference. Um, I'm again, I'm I'm going Josh Allen here. It just it seems so easy, but well, I don't know. I feel like I just have to. Um, Jets, Patriots, I'm going with Ramon J. Stevenson. I don't like anybody at all on the Jets offense whatsoever now that Brees Hall's out. And I don't like anyone in the Patriots or the Patriots passing game against the Jets. So Ramon J. Stevenson just seems like he's gonna be the guy there. I don't think anybody in that game really puts up a, a fuck ton of fantasy points. So if you have any of those anybody on either of those teams, I wouldn't even start. Well, I guess Ramon J. Stevenson, you're not gonna bench, but whatever. Like, just be aware that these are both very good defenses. So it's gonna be hard for your guys to score points. That's all that is. Um Rams at Saints. Uh so this is how poorly. The Rams season is gone. The Saints are three-point favorites after coming off a loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Rams are dead. You had your Super Bowl run, but like this is this this is the premature early start of the decline where they don't have picks and their team sucks. They're gonna be the they're gonna be like the Lions or the Texans, I think, in like five years. So that sucks. Um. Anyway, here I'm picking Alvin Kamara. Rams defense isn't really that good. I, I, I mean, Cooper Cup kind of isn't really that good unless he has Matt Stafford. But, like, teams are starting to pick up on them, like, oh, you're just going to throw to Cooper Cup ten times? Well, then we're just going to put every guy we have on the secondary on him. Like, it's not that hard. Um, Lions at Giants. Giants' defense sucks, but Giants don't really have any passing game. Saquon Barkley's the guy there. I do think this could be another, like, one of those trap games where it's, like, the Lions potentially could come out on top. My dog's crying. I don't know why. I think she sees a squirrel outside. Ignore her. I think the Lions could actually pull up the upset here because their defense hasn't been good, but their defense has made – We I talked a little bit earlier in, about the Arizona-UCLA game, how it was made up of those key moments. The Lions' defense has been creating those key moments. So, like, yeah, they're giving up, you know, 31 point, 30 points, whatever. But when it, when it matters, when the game matters most, like they are making those key plays. So I think that could, be, that could be an interesting one. Obviously, I'm rooting for the Lions. I'm an Eagle fan. I don't like the Giants. I do love Saquon Barkley. I'm glad he's having a good year, and I think he's the fantasy stud of this game. Panthers at Ravens. So Mark Andrews, we won't know if he's back, obviously, until probably like – I mean, it could be a Sunday game time decision kind of thing. But if he's back – He's had a couple weeks. There's very few choices out there for Lamar to throw the ball to. I think Mark Andrews is the guy, especially against the Panthers' defense. That's really not that good. Um, Commanders and Texans. Again, I feel like I'm picking a low hanging fruit. There is just nobody else on either of these offenses that I like other than Damian Pierce. Jahan Dotson, I believe. I think he's actually starting tonight. It's Monday, so I think he may be starting Monday night, but... Like, no one really knows Jahan Dotson. Like, yeah, he had a couple touchdowns early on. Whatever. I don't think Terry McLaurin... Like, Terry McLaurin's good. He's not great. To be Damian Pierce has a better night. Um, Raiders-Broncos, bro. I want the Raiders to win this so bad. I know know they were my sad girl hours, and, like, that fan base is hurting. I think that's why I want them to win. I think mostly because of Derek Carr, where he's just basically, like... The team isn't trying as hard as I am and some of these other guys are. Like, this is sad. So I just want him to, like, be that guy that just, like, puts the fucking team on his back and drags him through. Um, The Broncos are two-and-a-half-point favorites. I don't know why I picked Derek Carr here. I think just because, like, I want him to do well based off of the shit he had last week. But I actually don't really think he does that well against this Broncos defense. This Broncos defense is really good. This is going to be a super low scoring game. Wait, wait. I need to know what the over under here is. Let's see. should have wrote this. Oh, my God. The over under is 41 and a half. Uh, Bet the under. Bet the under. This is going to be like a 14-7 game. Tops max. This is going to be boring. Might be cheap tickets. Maybe. Oh, here we go. Tickets as low as $92. right, they're not that cheap whatever bet the under um i'm actually going to write down that i told you all to bet the under and hopefully i'm right but bet the under on that for real um cowboys vikings oh vikings are the real deal the vikings are the real deal i think christian watson made that secondary look like little boys like separated the boys from the men he was the man Dallas, the secondary, was the boys. Literally, them boys. I think Justin Jefferson does that times 10. I mean, I know he'll have probably like Trayvon Diggs on him all game. I don't think Trayvon Diggs is that good. I think he, when he makes a read, he he's, like I said, he's pick or bust. So he has a ton of picks where people think he's good. I don't actually think he's that good. I don't, and I think Justin Jefferson makes him look silly. But maybe not. I don't know. Dallas does still have like Micah Parsons in a good, uh good front. That gets to the quarterback pretty quickly, and Kirk Cousins doesn't perform well under that, but I don't know, whatever. Um, Cowboys are one-point favorites, which is bizarre to me. I imagine this will change a bit because it's in Minnesota. I don't know, but Cowboys one-point favorites at Vikings. If you're betting, I would take Vikings money line. I mean, Vikings points too, I guess. Only one point. I don't know. Anyway, um Bengals, Steelers. Bengals, five-point favorites here. Steelers are the dogs. I don't think Steelers – well, I don't like any running backs now that T.J. Watt is back against the Steelers. So I know Joe Mixon had that crazy game. I think T.J. Watt is going to be very aware of that and that D-line is going to be very aware of that and just really ultimately put a stop to that. But I think that could open up some opportunities for – obviously they're going to have to pass the ball. Um, Without Jamar Chase, I think T. Higgins is the guy. If T. Higgins can stay clear of injuries, he has a big game. Um, Chiefs Chargers, Chiefs are seven-point favorites. The low-hanging fruit in this game would be Patrick Mahomes. I'm not going to do that this week. I'm going to go Austin Eckler, not because I have Austin Eckler, but because I think the Chargers are so hurt with no weapons to go to. They're either handing the ball off to Eckler or they're checking it down to him because there's nobody open downfield. Now, Chiefs secondary isn't that great, so maybe and like I don't know what the injury report's going to be. Like, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams could be back. I don't, I don't even know what their injuries are or what the timeline was. Um, but if they're not, that's a very thin, wide receiver core for Justin Herbert to throw to. So I think, like I said, he's either handing off to Eckler or he's chucking down to Eckler, and that's that. Um, and then 49ers at Cardinals on the Monday night game next week. Uh, again, low-hanging fruit. I think CMC, Christian McCaffrey's a guy. Cardinals defense isn't that good. Niners are like a way more dynamic offense just because they have McCaffrey cuz it really just allows them to do so much more and it all at all I mean I know Garoppolo is a quarterback but it really kind of all runs through him. Um, he's throwing balls, he's catching balls, he obviously running with the ball. So Christian McCaffrey's the guy there. Again, that low-hanging fruit. Who is on a bye this week? Let's see. Dolphins, Seahawks, Bucks, Jags, they are all on the bye. But those are my fantasy studs for week 11. Again, I have. When I make these picks, I just want you to know that I have like no statistical evidence behind it. Like I literally just write down the game and I think through like what I've seen, what I know of these teams, and just make my pick. I'm trying to think if there's any like sleepers looking at this. I think any of the Chargers, like uh, Josh Palmer, he could be someone that plays pretty well looking at. The Steelers talking about tight ends. Uh, Fire they are throwing the ball to him seven to ten times a game. And now that they don't have Claypool, they're really throwing it to him a bit more. I like Cole Komet against the Falcons. I don't think the Falcons' defense is that good. I actually can't believe they're expected to win that. That's weird. But Cole Komet, I like that there. I don't like anybody on the Browns. I don't think there's anybody on the Browns this week that should that you should – well, other than Nick Chubb because the Bills are going to be pissed off and hungry. Um, I don't like anybody just Patriots. I like both of those defenses. I think that's going to be another one that's just low scoring, so if either of those defenses throw them in there. Yeah, this is a very strange NFL season where I'm, like, looking at this and I'm like, wait, like, either of these teams could win. Like, why are the Saints three-point favorites over the Rams with Andy Dalton as their quarterback? It's just it's just a funny, a funny year, but – that's my fantasy studs for week 11. Again, make note of everything that I told you to bet. I'll make note of it as well, and we'll recap it. I will recap it next week. I think I'm going to go three for three. I think I made three picks. I think I'm going to go three for three. I think I, I, feel, I feel pretty good about this. I don't normally say that because I'm always skeptical when I bet and when I make picks for other people to bet. I'm feeling good about this. So bet the under, Raiders, Broncos, and it's okay to bet the under, okay, guys? Especially when you feel like this strongly about it. Over the under. It's not going to kill you. All right, we love defense. We love defense. Yeah, we love offense, but we love defense. Bet the damn under, okay? That's all I got today. I hope everybody has a fantastic week. We are a week in some change out from Thanksgiving. Lots of good football to be played on Thanksgiving. Lots of it, so I'll talk through that next week's episode. In the meantime, I really need some dessert ideas for my dad's thanksgiving so if you have any really great suggestions that you want to shout out to me slide them slide into the twitter tweet at me let me know yeah that's all she wrote again thank you all for listening saturdays for the boys but i'm one of the boys have a great week everybody